Hello there! This show contains material which a truly free society would neither fear nor suppress. The language and concepts contained herein will not cause eternal torment in the place where the guy with the horns and pointed stick conducts his business. Dude, man, what's going on? Bloodthirsty vegetarians, take 12. <laughs> doing it old school. What are we, uh, what are we doing here? We, we've got something different. We're, uh, we're not drinking vin- vino today. We're not drinking the grape. We're drinking the grain. Rich is drinking from the head. He's drinking from the tiki head. <laughs> I am drinking from tiki heads today because that was like the most appropriate beer glasses to be had at John's. Yeah, I don't, I don't drink a lot of beer. In fact, I drink uh, no beer really anymore. Well, this is this is pretty good. Tell tell us what it's all about. Well, this is um, I'll do it with my, my bottle here. This is actually Green's Endeavor Double Dark Gluten Free Beer. Where's it from? It's from Belgium, or as the French would say, Belgique. Belgique. And when they say double dark, they don't spell it like double like D U B B L E. It's D U B B E L. That's right. It's double. And uh, it's it's pretty tasty. The, the head on this thing is incredible. Yeah. Woof. <laughs> we'll talk about head. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we could make a lot of jokes, and we were, but uh, I guess we will refrain from the jokes now. But this is real beer. Um, I may have talked about this on the show in the past, but you know, we I've I've sampled many gluten free brews, uh, like four or five different ones. I mentioned it on our uh, blog as well. I did a little blog post about it, and some of them. Well, one was a Passover beer brewed for Passover, so it's like a Jewish kind of traditional beer, and it's uh, made with honey, and it actually has a sweetness to it. I mean, it has that beer bitterness and sweetness at the same time. It's really mm-hmm. odd, but sweet beer, nah, it really wasn't working for me. And I've had a couple other beers, I won't name names, but you know, they were brewed for, for the American market. You know, they had that classic watered down Monty Python making love in a canoe beer thing going, which I hate. And <clears throat> the um, part, yeah, yeah, effing close to water, as right. uh, the uh, Brits would say, American beer is. And you know, th- it had a bitterness to it, but when it finished, it didn't finish with a, a round, pleasant bitterness. Uh, it finished with a burnt toast bitterness. Seriously, I mean, it had an awful bitterness to it. You know, tasted like Jim Shocks. <laughs> it tasted like uh, Jim Shocks. What are yeah, Jim, Jim Shocks? Shocks? You yeah. know, the things you wear on your feet. Jim, Jim Shocks. Shocks. Oh yeah, that's the way the guy in. Uh, uh, the golfing Caddyshack. move. Caddyshack, yeah. yeah. Jim Shocks, yeah. But anyway, this stuff yeah. is real beer brewed by people who know how to brew beer, certainly as good as any craft micro brew, you know, I've ever had. I had their normal amber last week, and I had them order in a case of the double dark, and maybe next time I'll be bold and have them get a case of the triple dark. There's a triple? <laughs> there is a triple, yeah. Is it spelled T-R-I-P-P-E-L? It may be. Triple. I'm not sure. But, you know, just for the record, beers are typically malt. The grains that they malt to make beers are typically barley and rye, which are the two big offenders with wheat that I can't have. And gluten-free beers use buckwheat and sorghum as the main grains that they uh, they malt. And they throw a little millet and a little rice in there as well, a little brown rice. And uh, you know what you get? You get real beer. And and some uh, – I wasn't joking – Rich, Rich told me that the, the head on this beer was uh, 
robust, as we'd say. Yeah, I haven't had a head like this in years. <laughs> I, I poured it so that the head actually extended above the glass, and I let it sit for a couple of minutes, and you touch it, and it was almost like gelatin. You could, yeah. you could form it. I was going to you know, carve it after the show into well, a little there, uh, figurine. Yeah, there may be something going on with gluten-free beers and the foam. You know, Maybe those grains lend themselves to forming a little more head. And I wish it, the beer was a little colder because I bought it off the shelf, not from a refrigerated section. And I, I had it in the trunk of my car to try to get it cold, and then we refrigerated it for a little while. Well, it's because the body in the trunk of the car was probably keeping it warm. That's right. And then we had some technical difficulties getting the podcast going today so that allowed these bottles to warm up a little more but all in all i think this beer is a success i i I like it i like it but you know maybe i'm gonna have to mix the uh, grape with it but i haven't had beer in five and a half years so i could be wrong no i had beer probably a year ago and it still tastes like beer yeah but i haven't had beer in five and a half years so i'm i might not even know what beer tastes like anymore what i'm i'm just letting you know it still tastes like beer and and this tastes like beer oh okay we're good then we're good then what else is going on? Nothing, really. Did you get a tax refund? I got a tax refund. Taxes are a good thing. Taxes are uh, are, are keeping our economy running strong and uh, sucking the wind out of my uh, my household. Well, George Bush would certainly have us believe that uh, the little extra refund we're going to get in May is going to solve all of America's economic woes. Dude, I want to talk about that. That really ticks me off. You want to talk about that right now? <clears throat> uh, maybe right after the first song, but I want to oh, talk okay. about that because it's going to take a while. Yeah, well... We got a lot to talk about in the show, so maybe we won't talk I know, about but it. But I have to mention it because it's happening now. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So do you want to just jump right into a tune? Oh, happy Chinese New Year, everybody. That was celebrated a few days ago, and uh, it's, it's the year of the rat, and uh, I hope everybody has a good Chinese year. Rat, ratful year? I don't, I don't even uh, know yeah, what to wish. I, yeah, well, probably the same thing one would wish when uh, we wish anyone a happy New Year. But uh, Happy rat. Are we going to jump into a tune? Yeah, this one's appropriate. Okay, let's check it out. Can't eat bread, I can't eat dough I can't eat crust to make my chest hair grow Can't eat spaghetti or macaroni If you ask me, it's Lord of Oh, 
say it's not an allergy, but an intolerance from my family tree. I can make buns and I can make bread. I can make anything that you're all fed. I make things that are sweet or sour. I make it all with special flour. There's no difference between you and me, except the fact that I'm gluten free. I can eat bread. appropriate song given the uh the beverage we are consuming we are imbibing <laughs> although i think that you were demonstrating to me that it has nothing to do with the growth of chest hair yeah i don't have a problem growing chest hair so it's it's crust uh what are they i don't know what was he saying Lo- baloney i think you mentioned baloney a couple of yeah, times and since we're vegetarians that doesn't apply either but uh fish he said fish, fish. i don't know he said a lot of things but one thing he did say was that uh he's gluten-free mm-hmm and, you know, I can eat bread, and I can eat all those things, and I don't really consider them special flour. I consider Magic them, flour. I consider them different <laughs> flour, nothing more. Well, it's like special flour. It's the kind of flour that if it was a person and it was going to school, it would be on a short bus. No, it's really just magic flour. It's the kind of flour that when you eat it, you know, it's like... <laughs> you uh, see things. Yeah, you do. The walls melt. It's kind of like um, Malaco Wido set. I don't know. That's <laughs> Malaco a, Plus. We were drinking... Milk plus, or what does he say? You can get milk, milk plus, milk plus velo set, which is what we were drinking. Wow. Anyway, Clockwork Orange. Yeah, I, I dug this song up, um, literally dug it up from uh, Podsafe Music Network, and it was in the children's section. And I've only seen like three songs total in this whole library that were in the children's section. Right. And I said, well, what's this about, the children's section? And... Lo and, lo and behold, this whole album that this guy is releasing is all about uh, food allergies of sorts. Really? Yeah. The whole got, album. And it's all kids' songs. Maybe it's about, you know, teaching kids that it's okay to be freaks I mean, like you. <laughs> yeah. There is that. So did you want to mention that testing yeah, it, really, really, really briefly? It it was uh, Kyle. Hey, wait a minute. Let me hit pause. Oh, wait. I just want to say this was wait, Kyle. Don't touch the pause. It's Kyle Dine. Gluten-free blues. Gluten-free blues. What an appropriate... But I don't feel sad that I can't have gluten because I have have good substitutes. All right. So taxes. We're all going to get a big old fat check. Well, you did. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about the refund. I'm talking about 
this upcoming this, this upcoming yeah. thing that's the economic mm, stimulus package. Yeah, the thing that's going to cover not even one month's rent for a lot of people and maybe right. one month's rent for other people. But that's, that's not why I'm ticked off about it. Why I'm are you tip, ticked off? I'm ticked off about it because Tell me. Tell me why. Okay, bottom line, if you're if you're single, you're going to get 600 bucks. 600 bones. Base. 600 beans. If you're married filing jointly, you're going to get 600 bone 1200 uh what do we call them? Ballooners? 1,200 simoleons. Simoleons. Uh, and then on top of that, for each kid, you're going to get 300 shekels. <laughs> That's so, right. And you're going to be shackled. Right. So so for me, in my circumstance, I'm going to get 2,100 bucks back because I got three little ones. 900 plus 1,200. 2,100. Okay. So uh, Me, I'm going to get exactly... I actually could get a million dollars because I'm claiming million. illegitimate children. What I've done... All over the world. ...is I've gone to the uh, Catholic Charities website and just found all those African kids with the flies on their face, and I've just taken their pictures and submitted all of them and claimed them as uh You have to put them in your wallet. You have to get a new wallet to fill all those kids. Sally Field signed an affidavit, and I'm good. And she ate it. So the, yeah. No, that would be Carrie Fisher. Carrie Fisher, that's right. She's on her barge <laughs> above the Sarlacc pit. That's right. Um, no, so the reason why I'm ticked off about Jabba this would like you thing, to beg for mercy now. <laughs> I don't beg. How so, about the fact that Amanda from the Lascivious Biddies, who's listening to our podcasts now, likes our little Star Wars references? She does. She told me that in an email, yeah. She finds uh, Amanda formally. Sexy. Did I say formally? <laughs> formally. Yeah, because I want to be. She is no longer their guitarist. She is the guitarist and leader of the Amanda Monaco Four. All right, so next year when we do our taxes, not this year. We've already done our taxes, some of us, and we're getting a nice little refund, some of us. I've, I've done mine, as I said, a right. couple shows ago, which I paid zero to have done. This, this preparation money, fee was zero. This money with that's mixed with simoleons and shekels and, and bones, what's going to happen it's is- with shecky green, too. <laughs> this, this money's actually an advance on our refund for next year. So if you were to get 2100 bucks back for your for your taxes next year, you'll get exactly zero, at least in my case. Is that what it is? That's what they're doing. It's a little shell game. They're they're giving us an advance on our refund. At least that's what I read in CNN press release about this. Oh, I thought it was actual cash money that was ours. Yeah, it's like they're robbing Peter to pay Peter. It's not even it's not even like one of those deals where one person benefits. They're taking your money, giving it to you in advance, saying, "Here, have something to play with." hoping that it's going to stimulate the economy at the expense of next year's economy. Oh, well, that's just dumb. It's I don't ridiculous. even want it then. That, yeah. That's what I was telling Betsy. I said, you know, I'm going to put this money in the bank, gather interest, and pay it back to them. It's crazy. Right. So I'm, I'm a little upset, to say the least. Well, I, I hope they don't do that. But, I mean, is that written in stone? Is the bill written? Oh, it's passed. They said the, the checks are going to ship in May. Oh, man, yeah. So I was really... excited about it, and then it got really depressed. So they're not giving us anything? No, they're giving you your money that is going to be taken out of your pocket so next what year. if you pay zero in taxes do you then have a six hundred dollar deficit i don't know how that's going to work so the answer would be to change your filing i file zero so i should file one and then they're going to send you a bill well i don't know anyway i don't know let's talk about movies yeah what did we see this, there was homework did you did you do your homework i did i saw it last night i did my homework and this is like one of those dreams where you wake up and you realize you didn't do your homework uh, I've never I have had those that all dream. the time. I have those all the time. I, yeah. I still have them. I mean, I, I haven't been in high school for years and years I and years. I occasionally have high school I, dreams oh, as well. Man, not not the ones where you're looking under the desk. The no girl. country for old men. Okay, that was the movie. That the was homework the homework. Movie. Yep, it's a uh, Ethan Cohen and Joel Cohen film, otherwise known as the Cohen Brothers. Right. They don't even go by their first names anymore. 
United States film rated R, 123 minutes. That's exactly three minutes more than two hours. I want to I just say one thing about this film, how I sum this thing up. Normally, I love Joel and Ethan Cohn films. One of my favorite movies of all time is uh, Raising Arizona. Yes. Hysterical film. Well, when I watch this, this is not hysterical. It's, it's, a, uh, it's a fairly serious movie. There are some funny parts to it, but fairly serious. When I watched it, when it was over with, I was like, you know, I don't know. The movie just didn't hit me. I, I didn't like it as much as the normal Joel and Ethan Cohen film kind of experience. But then, for the next 24 to 48 hours, I could think of nothing else but that movie. So I know that it impacted me. And, and the more I think about it, the more I like the film. Well, first of all, the, the thing that struck me about the film was it was a pretty compelling story. Sure. I thought it was a great story. And, you know, we're, we've got some wonderful actors in there, too. We've got uh, Tommy Lee Jones. We've got uh, Woody Harrelson, Josh Brolin, minor part, but we've got Josh Brolin, who's pretty strong, right? Uh, phenomenal. Um, we've got a, a new up-and-coming guy who plays perhaps the creepiest villain I've seen in a long time, um, Javier Bardem, mm-hmm. Spanish actor. Javier Bardem, who's great, and uh, I'm looking at the wrong piece of paper. It's <laughs> not helping you at all. Then. No, because I'm seeing Heath Ledger and Richard Gere on this yeah, paper. Yeah, Heath Ledger is not in this film. No, but he's in the one I'm going to talk about briefly later. And uh, and one of my favorite actors, actually, who was in Northern Exposure, and I've seen him in some other things, uh, Barry Corbin has a very small mm-hmm. uh, role in this film as well. A lot of, lot of little uh, quirky people in this film, just like all the Coen Brothers films. Yeah, I, I actually one of the from for me one of the stronger characters in the film, although his appearance is uh, very small, is the deputy to uh, the sheriff because he's <laughs> he he may be a little bit slow and he tends to repeat things that the sheriff says and it's, it's like a little puppy dog always yeah, wanting to go to the sheriff and tell him good things. Yeah, and uh, he has some very very funny interactions with the sheriff both out in on the prairie witnessing uh, some drug slangs and some. Uh, even at a, a diner, for that matter. Mm-hmm. You know? I don't have any idea who that was, but he was very entertaining to me. And if you haven't seen this film, something that actually a colleague of mine pointed out that I, that really, it also struck me, and I've been thinking about this throughout the past weeks or so, is that throughout the entire film, everyone is, is given choices. Some of them are really overt choices, like the flip of a coin. Others right. Others are, you know, go somewhere or not go somewhere. And these, and these choices have dramatic results. And... It's just kind of crazy. Throughout the entire film, there's always this binary thing. Do this or don't do this. Open this door or open that door. Go to this hotel room or not this hotel room. Go to that tree or not that tree. If you if you watch it again, you'll see that. It's kind of crazy. How... Well, that, that sort of mirrors life, wouldn't you say? I mean, Absolutely. But these are really, really stark choices. Well, those are very profound choices. Life yeah. or death choices. I Most guess, of them what, are in this film. What, yeah. what John is saying. But yeah, I, I thought the, the story was compelling, told uh, well, told by some pretty talented directors, and we had a, a, a wonderful slew of uh, acting talent in there. So this adds a – I the three people I saw the film with, um, of the three, well, the four, including me, I loved it. We got a thumb down from Donna. Really? I think it was a little too much of a thriller for her. I think she was a little too on the edge of her seat. And, she didn't like uh, the violence? The tension. Well, the violence was implied. You know, a lot of times they didn't actually show it. You know, well, they except kind for of the guy he pulled over on the side of the road, and well, yeah, the but that, that he took care wasn't of. like a particularly violent scene compared to some other films. There's no True. gore, you know. It's not like uh, hostile or anything, right? He choked somebody. There's no blood there. Um, a little bit of blood. I, I don't remember, but you know, the, the way he killed the guy at the roadside was unusual. Not what you see in a typical film. You know, he hasn't 
cut his throat or anything. Yeah. So it, again, it, it's 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 almost innocuous, you know. It's not filled with gore and and body parts everywhere. You know, the violence is certainly there, and it's it's implied quite a bit. Well, it's true because in fact, this this imposing killer who's just going through the film, plotting through the film, never stopping. He's never running. He's just. Moving, he's at one speed. Ahead. He yeah. moves like in sort of like medium speed, and that's the way he speaks. That's the way he carries himself through the whole film, which is part of the the creepiness and and like makes and it unstoppable. Though, it's yeah, like, yeah, you yeah. know that he's going very at a deliberate pace. He's not running. He's not. He's not doing anything that's faster than just I'm going to do this. I'm going to. I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to finish. And I took a blow and did it my way. <laughs> He was singing that, wasn't he? Well, it's the head on the beer. And throughout the entire film, you know, whenever there's a cut, you're thinking, not not a cut in human terms, a cut in the film, you're thinking, what's going to happen next? Is it going to be the scene that's going to be the the really violent one? So there's always tension. There's not one frame in this film that doesn't have a lot of tension in it. Oh, yeah. It it really is tension-filled. And I I think that was too much stress for my friend Donna. Now, the other two people who attended with me uh, liked it. And who wrote the story? It was... um, uh, I got got to pick up the right sheet (laughs) of paper paper? again. Uh, Cormac McCarthy. And I guess he writes... uh, My friends Donna and Chris are in a book club and they, they read one book a month and they have meetings and talk about the books and they've read... Several of uh, Mr. McCarthy's works, and I guess he uh, includes quite a bit of violence and tension in his writing. So this should have been no surprise to them, I guess, at the end of the day, because they've read his works. But I've never read Mr. McCarthy. So, well, I want to pick up this book and read it actually, because I want to see, you know, what the full story is. I dare you to read it without picking it up. <laughs> Which is funny because the this this film actually it it motivated me to watch another film that has uh, Javier Bardem in it. But he's um, this is in Spanish and it's it's in his native country of Spain, obviously. <laughs> but he is a, a paralyzed person and he can't move anything and he, he can't wow, pick up anything. Wow, what an acting challenge that would be! And the thing that that's why I'm saying this. I told you this earlier. He's my new favorite actor because uh, when I watched this film, the No Country for Old Men, he was a singular character. He was very, 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 very distinct. I mean, this is not someone who who you describe in vague terms. He was a killer. He was threatening. He was scary to look at. He was creepy. He was creepy. He had a creepy voice. And I know that he's a great actor because when I was watching this other film, same face, everything. Have you seen it? The yeah, other film? I oh, saw okay. the other film. What, what was it's, it it's called? called? The Sea Inside. Okay, I'm going to have to rent that. And when I'm watching this film, it's a completely different person. Completely different person to me. And you well, know, there are only a few actor. actors that can turn that on and off well, and be I, different people. Or, or to even be, to play a part of being paralyzed, uh, it requires amazing acting chops just because you can't use your hands, you can't use your arms, which in many ways are It's all his voice and crutches. His, his face. You know, your, your limbs are yeah. crutches, if you will. Get it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I got that. And, uh, you know. What are you trying to say? Well, I, I'm, t- I'm, I'm going, I'm going to go to my left foot. You know, where he was, mm-hmm. he had that debilitating disease and it required him to act more and use less of his body language in his acting. And uh, who am I thinking of? Our, our great actor there. I can never remember his name. Robin Williams. <laughs> As John Strings the Bear. No, not Robin Williams. Last of the Mohicans. Bill Cosby. <laughs> I got a friend who does a great Bill Cosby. I know who you're talking about Daniel Day-Lewis. Mm-hmm. One of our greatest actors. Absolutely. And um, yeah, you know. Definitely. I, I definitely want to rent that film with this uh, Joaquin Bardeen. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. I'm here. Oh, I'm sorry. I got it wrong. 
Yeah, it's, this this film just is one of those that's going to affect you for a long time. And it was an interesting film from a character perspective because there was no leading man. Okay, right? The Academy Awards give away best actor and best supporting actor. And nobody Everyone in this was film, a supporting yeah, actor. Yeah, everybody in this film was a supporting actor. They all had about the same amount of camera time, uh, except Woody Harrelson. His was uh, a minor character, really, but an interesting character, and he played it really well. Oh, absolutely. Not even over the top. He, he was just... A guy. Everyone in this movie was compelling. Even the wife of um, Josh Brolin, you know, she was just this this strange little woman who always spoke her mind. It was great. Does Josh Brolin get to call Barbara Streisand "mommy"? <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just wondering about that. Uh, only That's when not they're alone. Rude. Just, I don't mean it in any sexual way. <laughs> no, you didn't imply that at all. <laughs> no. I don't know. I'd call her a few things. I actually uh, am acquaintances with an audio engineer who used to work with her. and um, I'm sorry for him. Well, he said she's demanding but pays well, I believe. <laughs> well, was. Yeah, when you're her, you, you pretty much pay well for everything. So what else do you have to say about this film? I've got Rated a lot. R, by the way. I have got a lot to say about this film, but none of it is bad, and everything about it is go see it. If you, if you can get it illegally, watch it. If you can... If you can get your hands on this film, I think most people should see this film just to see what the Coen brothers are all about. Because- I think the whole title comes from the conversation that Tommy Lee Jones had at the end of the movie with that old sheriff guy in the cafe. You know, the country's going to hell. This is no country for gods like us. This is no country for old men, you know? Well, it's talking about that, but, you know, it also makes references to... You know, way back when his was his grandfather, his great 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 uncle, or something zero like that. Nine. Yeah, something like that, where he he was killed by these these crazy uh, red skin guys. You know, I mean, it was it was one of those deals where you see that everything is plotting forward and nothing really has changed because people were getting killed and, and unjust killings were happening at that time. Unjust killings are happening now. Just different motivations, different well, people. The mean age of the killers is coming down now, though. You know, what's well, true. It's true, but but you you see where this is going. You know, there were lawmen back then who were gunned down. There are lawmen today and lawless men today who are being gunned down. And to me, it was the contrast between that and the guys saying, "Well, you know, everything's going to hell because it didn't used to be that way." Well, it has always been that way from from that conversation. Well, it certainly has. I mean, lawmen. I'm certain. You know, certainly in the age of. Uh you know, the Roman Empire, whatever, you know, they were killed by bad guys. But, you know, we, we, we seem to be going in a direction that's getting more violent. You know, there seems to be... We, we, I, I, think I think we're exposed to more violence, even though I don't think there is actually more violence. I actually think there is more, and I think that's what those guys were talking about. I think they were in agreement that, you know, the world is becoming a big shithole and everybody's got to take a bite and, you know... And, I mean, <laughs> that's sandwich. What, and that's why he retired, right? I mean, ultimately, right. uh, Tommy Lee Jones' character, what was his character's name? Um... I, I, it doesn't I even matter, really. Yeah, it doesn't. He is so strong. I would love to see him in a film with Nicholson, for example. Yeah, well, I think that he would actually do better than Nicholson because Nicholson today is is a character a caricature of Nicholson. Well, you, I've never said that yeah. <laughs> in my film reviews. Okay. Yeah, but but Tommy Lee Jones, even though he generally stays within the same range, yeah, he's a cop type guy. He's a cop. I think that this role of his, he played it. He played it so I don't know calm. He didn't do the the you know I'm the I'm the guy I'm going to get my man no it wasn't it wasn't like the fugitive kind of cop he played it as a cop who really you believed that he had gone through hell and he had been doing this job for forty years or something you know he looked world weary and 
Yeah, no, his he did. His face didn't. shows it and everything. Yeah, well, he's phenomenal. I mean, you know, he has one of those statues, you know, and... Uh, he does. And he's he's wonderful. What did he get the statue for? Um, it wasn't porn, was it? I don't know. No, he got it for the film with Harrison Ford. The Fugitive? The one like, yeah, he wanted it for The Fugitive, I think. Really? Yeah, Best oh. Supporting Actor in The Fugitive. Well, I think he did better in this film. You know, there's a film coming up next week, which I'm a little bit excited about, and it's uh, two weeks, actually, at Munson. It's called Grace is Gone, and, you know, once again, cannot remember the actor's name, but he's playing this really dramatic role, which is a little different for him. Why am I not remembering his name? There, there, there are, there's, he has a sister who's a, a pretty good actress, too. Jake Gyllenhaal? No, but think of another one. And look up Grace is Gone on the internet real quick there. Just just pull that up. And um, they showed a long preview for it uh, before I saw No Country for Old Men last night. And it looks really compelling. It's, it kind of takes a twist on the man going off to war and then the two soldiers walking up to the door to give the wife the bad news. Well, in this film, the wife goes off to war and this man stays home and the two soldiers walk up to his door to inform him that his wife has been killed in the line John of Cusack John Cusack we normally don't see him in these dramatic roles but this thing looks phenomenal I'm I really looking great. forward I, to I this I like John Cusack a lot yeah I'm, 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 I'm looking forward to this I mean I, I've seen him in some really schleppy comedies in my life and I just I was always hoping he had more than that you know I think my favorite uh, Cusack film of late was um Gross Point Blank. Have you I seen that? I haven't seen that, no. That's pretty good. Actually, Joan Cusack shows up in that for a little bit. Very good film. You yeah. Should, you should check it out. Yeah, so anyway, No Country for Old Men. Uh, loved it. Phenomenal. I mean- I, I give it every single thumb that I've got. Even my toe thumbs are up. John's giving me the finger right as we speak. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, disturbing, <laughs> compelling, amazing, all of those great words, you know? I'll probably watch it again tonight. Do you have it? I cannot admit to having anything. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I don't need to see it again too soon. But well, you just saw it. It's, for me, it's been about two weeks. Right. I saw it literally last night, and it was very strong. Well, Munson has been showing a bunch of blockbusters for the past, like, four weeks. Sold out theaters, standing room only. They had to bring in little folding chairs and stuff for the crowd. That's how many people they've been getting at the last three or four weeks. Fire hazard type of oh, stuff. Exactly. The fire department finds out they're done. Shut down. Cool. So you want to play a tune? I'm playing tunes. All right, let's check it out.
I really like the way that song ends. One, two, three, four. He's on that little China symbol. <laughs> boom, 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 bam. I love it. Chad Wackerman, one of my probably my favorite drummer in the world, actually. It's the Wackerman. Very tasty, tasty player. I've had the good opportunity of uh, seeing him play with Frank Zappa live a couple times. Wow. Yeah, the guy can just play, play. He play. plays drums. He plays a little bit, a little bit, a little, little bit. bit. Oh, so uh, and who, who was that song by? Oh, that was the great Alan Holdsworth playing. Um, what song was that? Um, Tokyo Dream, actually, one of my favorites. And yet, it's written I, right up there. I know it's one of my favorites, and yet it's I not I, on that piece of paper. I was, re- I believe that was Tokyo Daniel Day Lewis Dream by right. Alan Holdsman, <laughs> <laughs> the Alan Holdsman Five. <laughs> That was Mitch Mitchell with Ellen Holdsworth singing, uh, You're Having My Baby. <laughs> you know what? I was watching this really weird channel. I don't know if you get it. It's uh, the, NBC. the American Lifetime channel or something. It's like 119 on digital cable. American Lifetime? Yeah, American Life channel or something. It's not ringing a bell. Well, they show Hill Street Blues, St. Elsewhere, L.A. Law, all of those great NBC series of the 80s and 90s. I think you told me about them, yeah. But I was watching it the other night, and they showed the pilot for a bunch of shows. And they showed the Mark pilot for, no, maybe. Mary Tyler Moore, though, was what I watched. Wow. And then I watched, and I remembered this vividly. That girl? No, I watched WKRP. <laughs> and it's it's just kind of funny because- they were playing all this really crappy music, and then Andy Travis came over, the new program director, and he was going to reprogram the station. And Johnny Fever was playing all of this ridiculous... He wasn't even Johnny Fever. He was going by his real name. He hated the job so much, he was calling right. himself Johnny Caravella. And anyway, um, he goes... You know, he played a song, and he looks at the record, and he goes, uh, that was You're Having My Baby by the Hallelujah Tabernacle Choir. <laughs> And then finally, Andy Travis brought him in some records, and he put a Ted Nugent record on, and he he, he ripped the needle across the record that he was playing, and then he put on some Ted Nugent, and then he uh, goes, one more thing, booger, because he got thrown <laughs> off the air like uh, in a, the previous decade or something for I saying booger that. on the air. And I just needed to see that scene again to see if it played out like I remembered it, you know, seeing it in the late 70s, and it did. It played out exactly like that. Was Lester Nesman on that show? He was, as well as The Blonde. Angie Dickinson. Uh, well, you know, WKRP had the uh, had a very similar debate to Gilligan's Island. You know, Ginger Marianne, Bailey, and the blonde uh, Lonnie Anderson's. I can't mm-hmm. remember the character's name, but Lonnie Anderson is the actress. Yeah, I like Bailey better. Yeah, and I like Marianne better. Really? Yeah. Because usually the Baileys. Oh, Baileys. The Baileys usually do go for Marianne. Actually, yeah. you need some Baileys, and then you need to like rewatch those shows. I think <laughs> Baileys don't ever mix the grape and the grain. A little bit of the Irish creme. But anyway, you know, I'm going to talk very, very briefly about a film I saw a few weeks ago at Munson Williams Proctor Institute. And it was a little, that little Dylan thing called I'm Not There. Are you familiar with this at all? I'm familiar with it. And um, I'm not attracted to the concept nor the subject matter. Well, exactly. I mean, I I think it's fair to say that you and I, for, for you and me, Bob Dylan is from a different generation. He's from our parents' generation or maybe somewhere between us and our parents. You know? And I don't have a problem with that because, I mean, I love uh, listening to Beatles tunes. I've always loved listening to Beatles, and they're, they're way, way advanced for me. I mean, they're, they're, they're a generation or almost two before me. Right, you know? right. So I don't have a generational problem with Bob Dylan. I think I have a, uh, I don't well, know, a musical I, quality Well, this film was, was attempting to... 
you know, look at some of the contradictions of the Dylan character and, and the things that he said. My problem is I don't know enough about Bob Dylan's history to know which parts of the movie were meant to be fictitious and which ones were kind of based on real things or things he said or things he did. So I didn't have a lot of context, to you know, in understanding Dylan to know what was going on in this film. It's like and someone today going just, to see Oliver Stone's JFK. Yeah, maybe. And I mean... Beyond that, the the film was just like I, I've said this before, but it was just they were trying to make an avant garde film here, and I it was a little too out there for me. I need a little bit more linear storytelling. You know what I mean? I need a story. I guess is what I'm saying. And this film really. So what's their motivation? Yeah, tell me. Uh, you know, there were some amazing performances in this film, though. Uh, Dylan was played by Kate Blanchett at one point in the film, and she he was... Switches, he switches uh, actors, basically. Yeah, several different people played Dylan throughout the film, and Kate Blanchett, the uh, wonderful British actress, played him and was great. She was fantastic. But we also get... Uh, uh, we, we get treated to seeing uh, Richard Gere at one point in this film. I don't think he played Dylan. He played somebody else. And uh, somewhat ironically or sadly, we see Heath Ledger in this film as well, who, you know, he had died literally days before the the day that I oh, saw this yeah, yeah. film, you know. So kind of, I don't know if this is his last performance or if he has another film in the can that they're going to release. But generally actors like him who are, you know, a-list kind of guys. Uh, they've got like three or four films that are like in the works. Yeah, I mean, we could look them up on. The, oh, that's on right. You MDB know what? And... The film that I think that he is going to be most remembered for is he's playing Joker in the next Batman film that that wrapped up shooting. So really, it hasn't hasn't aired aired. It hasn't uh, hit the, the theaters yet. But when it does, we're going to be seeing Joker uh, post mortem. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, again, I'm not going to talk too long about this film because for me, and I'm, I'm re- this is a very strong caveat, for me, this film didn't work. Um, certainly anyone who's a Bob Dylan fan, and that does not really include me, would, would probably find something memorable in this film. And um, so I'm not, I'm not, I can't, I don't feel qualified to give this film a thumb down because it's just not what I normally like. No, no, I'm not. Just like someone who's a a wine critic. No, maybe if you were working for the New York Times, you probably wouldn't be qualified to be a film critic, but you definitely can say what you like and what you don't like. It's kind of like like the wine. What I'm saying is that there are people in the world who are going to like this film. I mean, there are films that I've seen that were absolute drack and shouldn't be seen and the celluloid should be burned. Snakes on a plane? I haven't seen that, so I can't say that. But, you know, I'm thinking things like The Fly 2, you know, things like that. (laughs) Top Gun. (laughs) <laughs> well, no, I, I would actually not call that Drek. Oh, you're kidding me. Well, I don't think the celluloid should be burned, you know. It's well, I not, think the actor should be burned. It's whisked away on a UFO, maybe. <laughs> but anyway, this is a 2007 film directed by Todd Haynes. It's a U.S. film, and it's 135 minutes in it. And there were a few moments that were interesting. Like, there's a wonderful scene where one of the characters who's playing um, a young up-and-coming kind of folk guitarist does a jam. And one of the guys he's doing a jam with is Richie Havens. Wonderful, wonderful guitarist that I had the good uh, pleasure of seeing play live a few years ago at Munson. He came and did a concert. And and he played at Woodstock, by the way, for those who don't know. So he's the real deal. And um, so I'm sort of, um, I'm giving a a, a thumb vertical to the ground here. Kind of like when the Roman emperor would come out, he would present his thumb vertical to Parallel to the ground. Yeah, horizontal. Parallel to the ground. And then he would either give his thumb up or down. I am not going to give a thumb up or down for this film. I am going to give 
a horizontal thumb and say, if you're a Dylan fan, you should like this. If you like uh, non-linear, boring, awful storytelling, you may like this film as well. No, seriously, you, you, you might like it. I didn't. I don't know. It would be interesting to see what you think of it. I'm not going to rate it. You know why? Because that would mean renting in it's going to cost a dime. No, that would mean that I have to actually give up however many minutes of my life to well, watch this film. 135 minutes. I, I do not enjoy Bob Dylan music unless it's played by Jimi Hendrix. I'm just I'm sorry. Well, well, there you go. So, I don't know. I uh, That's it. Yeah. So, if you're a Dylan fan, check it out. If you like, uh, you know, slightly avant-garde art films, you know, with, with less story and more... Um, you know, amoebas on the screen or whatever. You know, I, I, that would probably be the only reason why I would watch the film, not because of the subject matter, but because of the filmmaking, because I do like nonlinear avant-garde films, things that sort of break the mold. And I, I like that kind of a experience. For some reason, my brain needs more story, and, and this didn't have it, but uh, great performances as well. You know, there were some wonderful performances in here, so there are certainly are reasons to see this film, that, which is why I can't give it a thumb down. Anyway, one of the reasons would be if, if you're strapped into a theater and, and they're showing it, and no they choice. have your eyelids pried open, and they constantly put eye drops in your. And they have eye a little bit of the Ludwig van playing. A little playing bit of the Ludwig van playing in the background. Lovely, lovely Ludwig van. Hey, guess what? What? Oh, holy cow! Holy cats! I guess that's a show. We have no choice. It's a runaway train. It's almost like Javier Bardem <laughs> plodding forward towards the end. He's going to walk through that door at any minute with a high-pressure air canister in your history, man. He's going to flip the coin and say, call it. That's right. That's right. Call and a it. gun with the biggest silencer I've ever it was seen. A, it was a shotgun with a silencer is what it was. Oy. Oh, man. Anyway, this is Rich Wilgus. John Tallarico. You've been listening to Bloodthirsty Vegetarians. Check us out on the web, www.bloodyveg.com. Feedback at bloodyveg.com is our illustrious email address. And check out uh, check out the forum. It's www.bloodyveg.com slash forum, and you can like say mean things to John about his film reviews. Yeah, and they're all wrong. Remember, you've been listening to the VIB. 